0: Great content today. We talk about how to position your content platform in such a way that you ensure a win by default and the easiest and best ways to differentiate yourself from the competition. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM.
1: Chesney Hawks, the one and only. What an introduction to the one and only Stephen Barnes. Good morning, sir.
0: Hello, young man. Um, you know, I'm getting a little bit disappointed in you, so I have to keep reminding you about these intros. You know, once upon a time, I would, I would be regaled and heralded upon my arrival, but now, you know, I don't even get the benefit of, of something to wipe my feet upon.
1: Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, so the title of the one and only just doesn't cut it anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs>
0: Oh Yeah, I'm I'm doing really good. That was good.
1: I've I've, I've run out of it
0: today, Mr. Black.
1: I'll I'll need to come up with some really good adjectives. The superlative, sublime. I'll need to get out of the Well, you
0: know, you've got marketing in your DNA and you're doing my job, right? So clearly I'm doing my job, right? Because you're doing it for me and I'm not having to pay you anything (laughs) for it. So good job. Keep it up.
1: The power of free, whatever you can get from anybody. It's the
0: way it works. Uh, Isn't it funny that? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so um, we're talking about monopoly building as we normally do at this time of week. Actually, truth be known, um, you owe me an explanation because you, you know, came running at me saying, I need to change the day, I need to change the time, but you haven't any profit, any really good excuse for me. You know, you know how busy I am, and I've had to make time out of my day, my otherwise very busy schedule to accommodate you. So can you please offer me some explanation as to, you know, why we're doing it on Thursday at five rather than the Friday at four?
1: Because tomorrow's a public holiday in Hong Kong, sir.
0: Oh, very considerate of you. I'm so pleased <laughs> that you thought about that, but you didn't mention it in passing. Well, uh,
1: the, and, and I have a reason. I'm heading down into Howick tomorrow to see the doctor. But anyway, that's besides Ulterior the point. I'll tell
0: you your motives. I'll tell you motives. But, but okay, word for it's both forgivable. Of us. You know, you're going for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, mate. So, uh, monopoly building. Yes. So, last week we left it uh, kind of really concluding on an understanding of in the connection economy when you're. Um, imparting what it, value it is that you, off, you offer to your potential tribe, that you actually know what it is that you really sell. And we finished off by talking about things such as like all-purpose brands, such as IKEA and Starbucks and mm-hmm. Toys R Us and the like. And um, the Hong Kong Visa Center has been designed as far as we can make it to be a purpose brand, even down to the uh, choice of name uh, of our company or our business, Hong Kong Visa Center. It's pretty clear. What kind of entity we are, and what you'd be getting if you transact with us. Mm. So we've imputed sort of all purposeness, so to speak, in many ways, but particularly through through choice of words. And you know, in the connection, well, in the connection economy, the only thing that's got any real value is attention. You know, you've got to be able to get your sort of core message through at a glance, so it's you know not um uh, it's not uncertain for anybody about what you're all about. So these are kind of sort of things that you have to accommodate and we have done sort of our best in terms of trying to produce Hong Kong visa center as an all purpose brand. Then, of course, because you're, you know, you're doing something, you know, highly novel uh, as you move from the industrial to the connection, you got to start to think about what your proposition, how different it is compared to what's gone before. And then um, anticipate that your business model is going to allow you to to go on to, how oh, I've couched it, sell stuff that your competitors can't. And this sort of comes about through this following idea that in the Hong Kong immigration business, what you traditionally sell is this kind of a service that represents an exchange of value, historically predicated on scarcity of know-how and fear. In the part of the consumer that the scarcity of know-how applied in their situation could lead to a negative outcome.
1: Is that generally in the service business rather than <coughs> in the commodity business?
0: Well, I don't know. I think certainly when you understand the emotional dynamic of uh, transacting with immigration, it's a you know a, a life a serious life matter. So, yeah, I would say I would say uh, the same
1: with 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 other services like legal or medical. You know, you, you're you going to somebody who you make the assumption knows what they're doing. You don't have the the skill set. Therefore, you rely on somebody to provide that service. Whereas, transacting with somebody who sells you a CD, you're buying the CD for the commodity.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, given that, you know, the connection economy gives affords you the opportunity to move from a scarcity environment to an abundance environment, if you make that abundance available to such a point that the material that you have that your competitors don't provides the answers to all the questions that, you know, exist in that particular area, recognizing that out of that will spin uh, a service need. And because you're the author of the solution to the problem that they got for free, they want to transact with you rather than your competition. Mm. So that's a, that's a way to, you know, sort of manifest new value in the connection economy. But that, The process of doing that what we did with the hong kong Visa center is that we we because we documented all the know-how in a very systemic fashion we could then offer services that were hanging off the back of the fact that we built the content platform in this fashion and that gave us the opportunity to introduce things like disruptive pricing Um, we had a, a consultation service a silver service a gold service and a platinum service and the platinum service in terms of the actual techno you know, the, the way that you deliver the services is, is the same whether you do it at the Hong Kong Visa Centre in the connection economy, whether you do it via the industrial economy with the you know with the established competition. Mm. But um but gold, silver and consultation are, are not within, you know, the sort of you know um, array of product resources of our competition because they don't have a content platform. So all they can do is sell an industrial economy style platinum service. So we can come in with an entire content proposition and sell three particular things that our competition count, all at price points that essentially mean that you know the market is open up to your your, your proposition because you're you've been you're actually competing against non-consumption because there's a market for uh, immigration sort of services, um, but there's a sort of a sub-market between those who want to pay and those who don't want to pay, uh, and there's a middle ground between those two who who would want to pay something but don't want to pay, you know, the full 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 price. So what we did by introducing the platform in the way that we did was we 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 had, you know, an opportunity to sell stuff that didn't that our competitors couldn't and it began to sort of, you know, muddy the waters as to what amounts to a typical immigration service experience, understanding Jason that most people, you know, only have to transact with an immigration service provider because they only have an immigration problem very rarely in their lives, all things considered. So they're not, not armed with any prior knowledge and they don't, they don't have anything to compare against. So if, if you can, you know, deliver a proposition in an environment where they're open to being persuaded by what they experience as being the default, you know, sort of solution to that particular problem, then, then you kind of win by default and you don't have to try. Uh, and that is kind of like what what results from um, positioning your content platform in such a way that you can have disruptive pricing and, and disruptive products, and it means that the competition can't compete with you like for like, and therefore you're selling stuff that your competitors can't.
1: Hmm. Okay,
0: does that make sense to you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. How would you say then uh, you fare compared <coughs> to your competitors selling the platinum service if they if they're not selling the the smaller chunks? And you only then compare the two end products or the big ones. How do you compare? compared to them?
0: Very simple. Two hundred percent money back guarantee,
1: which they just uh, well, can't um,
0: offer. Which they, well, 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 they can, but they're not. Mm. So that 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 differentiates, and that's a curious a curious notion there, right? If 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 we're in you know the number one player in the market that they have to sort of compete against. We're offering a, a W money back guarantee. Surely it's incumbent to, you know, in their thinking that you know they at least have to match that, just just to be seen to be you know, competing on equal terms. Mm. But we've been we've had the W money back guarantee for nine on seven years now, Jason, and, and absolutely nobody emulates it. Isn't that weird?
1: And is there is there a difference in price between the two similar services? Can they compete uh, well, with indeed. you on a lower if, price?
0: Oh well, that's, indeed that's the only the only point of leverage that they've got because they don't have the connection economy business behind business model underneath them. They don't have a platform. They don't have uh, the reputation that goes with the firm. For the most part, they don't have the longevity uh you know that we've demonstrated in the marketplace um and for the most part you know they don't have the um well yeah you know, the 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 w money back guarantee to you know actually put anything down to suggest is a positive you know like for like competition, so what you're left with is price it all bo all boils down to price and then you and i suggest you're, and we you well, can... we make we make it easy.
1: Sorry. Your, your your counter to that is you can't compete with free, so you can do it yourself for absolutely nothing by following our guideline.
0: Well, well, indeed, and we absolutely, and and then so far as our competition go, because we publish our prices transparently on the web, they can see where we are at all points in time, so they've got perfect, you know, market information to be able to align, uh, calibrate their proposition against ours. So what they're left with a cheaper price. Well, okay, fine. At the end of the day, it's like I say to our clients, you know, at the platinum level. So really, what's going on here is I'm making you a bet. And what's happening is that you're agreeing to pay my fee in advance, and I'm a, and I'm guaranteeing you that I'll get you your visa. And if I don't get you a visa, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a double. I'm going to give you double your money back. Mm. Now, it's a Bet, you know.
1: Now, 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 given that principally people require a visa to work, is a visa considered a business transaction, or is it a personal, individual transaction? And the reason I ask you that is because you must have different pricing for corporates and for private individuals.
0: Well, you know, there's what you know. What I really like about your uh, your your, your um, emerging career as a as an interviewer, and a radio broadcaster, is your ability to give you a segue. Superb segue. <laughs> ser- segues into my my next slide. The brand Thank the you, size sir. of a
1: planet. Penis the size of a <laughs> peanut, that's me, son.
0: But with, even without the benefits of a
1: formal education, you cheeky bugger, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously. Right,
0: yes. Yeah, so, yeah, no, no, fair, 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 comment. Yeah, So in, in, the thing is, right, chasing in the individual space, what we're really selling ultimately is peace of mind, right? In the corporate space, in the final analysis, but for the applicants and the family that's part of the transaction. In the final analysis, what we're selling is the ability to blame us if something goes wrong. Um, and so by having understood that and by having the means to produce very high quality content uh, in a particular uh, configuration that makes the reality that it's very easy to expect Approval for a Hong Kong immigration application. If your sponsoring company has got more than 100 employees, not, 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 you know, uh, blanketly simple to expect approval, but normally in those circumstances, you know, there's a 99% chance that the application is going to get through on the basis of mere administration. So what you can do is you can develop a content proposition that takes all the administration sort of value, if you can call it that. Uh, and it take removes it from the hands of the expensive consultants who's really knowledge and experience that you're paying paying to access. And you put the, the, the lower value activity in the hands of the company themselves that already employ HR staffers who can, if they're reasonably sharp, can use a simple online platform where it's a follow the hours type experience to be able to compile all the paperwork that goes towards making, you know, a corporate immigration application. So so on that guys what you can do is separate the act of you know compiling the, the the paperwork and and the general administration from from ownership of from the outcome which is what the what the game is all about so what what that means is that we can sell a service called sign off where uh for say 3000 hong kong dollars which is valued at an hour of our time we take the work uh, of our clients that have been you know self administered and reviewed and then we just make sure that it's all good for approval and we sign off and we're on the responsibility for it. Mm. So 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 in that regard because you know we've developed a completely different you know all, all proposition all toll, we've got um, the opportunity not only for disruptive pricing but the actual product offer offering is disruptive in itself and it, it, it's a it, it's a compelling story that you can take into any uh, any any corporate HR uh, and say, look, you know, this this might not be for you, but we want you to understand that there's this this the solution to this you know what's well, a perennial problem, you know, authored by the acknowledged expert in this space, uh, and it and it's all free. So you know, from a sort of a marketing perspective, if you sort of make the assumption, let's say there's 3,000 conversations you need to have in. In a Hong Kong in an economy like Hong Kong, so you, you know you set a you set a team of people who's on working their way through having those three thousand conversations. So, so it takes a, a team of three a year to go to work through that marketplace and introduce your proposition to the market. Then bingo, you've uh, you know you've, you you've actually achieved total sort of you know market not saturation but total total access. You've got achieved hundred percent outcome to total access to market if you get measure it. Mm. Um, so, you know, all of this, all of this sort of storytelling capability comes about because you've approached the solution, the new solution to uh, a problem, uh, that's configured to align with the, you know, opportunities that the connection economy affords, Um and makes you so different from your competition that you, you know, you just stand apart as being part of the future, clearly not part of the past.
1: And how difficult it is, is it for a, a connection economy business to break into the old way of doing things? If you look at a corporation that are used to using one particular immigration provider, and they've used them for years and years and years and years, how do you come in and disrupt that by offering something that they probably don't understand fully?
0: Well, okay, so the way i the way I perceive the market is that uh it, it's a great time of uncertainty now for a well established business. the way that they've always done things uh proving you know to be constantly in a state of flux and and there's adjustments needing to be made you know sort of across the uh, across the board in how things have always been done. Um and uh, you know a large portion of of those companies will be so rigidly rigidly configured for a whole number of reasons that uh, you know you'll just you'll just end up putting a sort of a, a firework display on the front door and you'll never you'll never actually get in and be able to transact with them in any reasonable time frame because you know they're still married in doing stuff the same old way but there's still when you troll through you know a a, a collection of prospects like you've got in a sort of a hermetically sealed environment like business. Business economy like Hong Kong, you can, you know, you can, you can sort of troll your way through and you can, you can make real, real, real real progress on that front. Um, and the market that is available to you is those that are open for change, uh, and that see a good reason, uh, that they would want to do this and, and it's, it's readily attainable for them. Um, the reality is that companies have immigr inter they, they always have immigration problems and uh, and in each and every instance that there is you know uh, an immigration need presents itself there has to be an assessment of you know the circumstances which which falls to professional capability or otherwise well researched um you know understanding of the problem uh so you know, even if our target audience are not Companies of 100 employees, which is our corporate proposition, a sure, sherpa that's organised around that. The mere fact that we can have conversations with with, with people um, puts us in a relationship creation sort of dynamic. And out of that, we know economic activity flows. Now, our competition that have done it, you know, they do it. They've done it the same old way and continue to do it all in, in the same old way. Um, they're they're not they're not really able to sort of readily understand or appreciate why we're making traction in the way that we are, and actually they don't have huge visibility over the traction that we're making unless we we actually the public disclose it, which in due course we will be doing. So they'll will have no excuse after a while. Um, but in the in the main part, like Clay Christensen says, these companies have kind of got blinkers on. Intellectual blinkers and sort of business history—the the lessons learned from business history blinkers on—and they just carry on doing stuff the same old way. And and before they know it, before they realise the world has changed, somebody's come over and not only stolen their lunch, but has actually stolen their grandchildren's inheritance. Mm.
1: I was having a chat with J C, uh, our wine expert, earlier this morning, and he was talking about the wine industry changing in a huge way in that and you described it as the center of gravity has moved away from america towards asia and of course the buying mm-hmm. power of china in particular has swayed how uh producers need to look at selling wine and it, nobody yeah. saw it coming mm-hmm.
0: well is there you know I, I you know i don't drink and i don't have any interest in wine it's just crushed grapes in bottles to me but uh, the only thing that I'm kind of cognizant of, and I suspect I'm way, way, way out of date, is that this guy, Gary Vanacek made his mark in early content marketing, so to speak, by sitting in front of a video camera and just describing the wines that his father was in his father's shop. And, uh, and that stuff went on YouTube and, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. Uh, apart from him having made waves on that, and I guess he, has, he hasn't done that for a long time already, or at least somebody else is doing it instead. Uh, you know, is there anybody doing anything novel, truly novel via the Internet when it comes to, you know, the business that, uh, that Jay sees in?
1: Um, I would I would think it's just a discussion on varietals and, and, and the process of wine and the education of wine. Um, I think he's looking more at trying to con- convince producers that they need to look to the east um, and then also to convince people in the east as to the the nobleness, if you want, of Italian wine as opposed to the the you know the notion that the best in the world is French. Yeah,
0: okay, because but I've that, cornered that, the market. That, no, well, that's great. No, I mean that's that that's all about uh cultivating and and imparting an experience, right? That you we want people to have associated with with, with your proposition. Mm. No, I'm thinking I'm thinking more about creative ways of actually selling wine, because when you get right down to it, when you cut through all the you know the the the, the fluff and the uh, and the fancy sort of nose squiggling and bouquet uh, enjoying and what have you. It's all about selling Uh, frustration bottles.
1: On online has become a very big way to do it, but your greatest your greatest problem is the transportation and storage. So, but I'm
0: thinking isn't okay. No, that's cool. But I'm thinking more more along the lines of. And I don't I don't expect this is original. So I've no doubt you can knock me down in flames. But I just want to illustrate by way of example, right? Some kind of you know partial ownership program. For lovers of a particular, uh, you know, grape or vintage, or that one particular square five square kilometers Pe- of people Southern have France.
1: people have sold have sold portions, and uh, and then you get the opportunity to go once a year and crush the grapes with your feet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's been done. What's also been done, and right. that was done many many years ago, was the um, the sort of diners club wine of the month, which was always very clever because it allowed them to move wines that perhaps they had excess stock of um, and you subscribed to it and every month you got your case of uh, a variety of wines. And one of the beauties of that was that you didn't have to buy a whole case of wine, you got a variety of wine in one case. It was the start of the split case mentality.
0: Okay, so um, I'm curious to know if you could anticipate uh, a let's say almost perfectly aligned wine service that uh you can immediately get value from no matter what what that thing looks like in practice uh, using the internet, hmm. wh- wh- where do you see, what, what, what for you would be the goal, wow, the perfect use of the internet to immediately address a, a wine-related demand, um, desire project pro- product or a, otherwise?
1: An, an instant or online <coughs> sommelier so that if I walked into a place where I wanted to buy a bottle of wine, I could bring it up on the screen and that person or that app would say, that wine is a good wine for that price if you're going to eat it with that. Or if you're going to drink it with it, would them.
0: it be a live? Would, would it would it be a live exchange, or would it be a video library in front of you? Short snippet content. Uh, I,
1: I think a video library, um, and which would allow you to put in the name of the wine, the year of the wine, and there was a clip related to that particular wine.
0: How many? How many wines are there on the marketplace <laughs> at any one point Gis- in time?
1: Gasquillions, but remember that wine is also is also time framed. So they, if say for example, they make a 2016 XYZ uh, brand, they will make 100,000 bottles. For example, that's that's all there is of that particular wine. So,
0: well, well, isn't that isn't that interesting? So it seems to me that there's an opportunity with some sort of um, social network uh, to be built around that where the it's kind of like a self-sommelier right and whoever's doing the wine tasting they do it according to a particular iphone shot sort of you know framed video mm. um and then they upload it and uh, and then you can you know share pricing information and shipping information and all that kind of stuff it just seems to me that there's a natural opportunity for all those aficionados of wine because everybody will everybody like Everybody I've met who loves wine, my God, do they know a lot about wine. I'm just saying mm-hmm. awe, completely. And, it's amazing.
1: And, and the danger is the subjectivity <clears> of it <throat> and getting shot down for your subjective opinion about a particular wine. An know, on, you know. Like an online restaurant review. Can you imagine taking um, TripAdvisor or any of those other sort of restaurant reviews to the point where you actually have to video yourself doing the review? That would be good. Yeah. That would that would uh, that would separate the sheep from the assholes. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, the the quality content proposition is always the winning proposition, and mm. um, I think that's a really good example, actually, of what I always say that you know you may not be the first person to produce content in the niche, but if you can produce content that's ten times better than what's presently being produced, and you continue to produce it, so that you become a platform over time. Then uh, yeah, it doesn't matter at all what your other competition is all about. And a good example of that, just you know, getting towards the end of this conversation, is just to sort of bring you up to speed with what we're doing with our Zip product. Mm. So uh, with Zip, what we have understood is that you know, to remind you, Zip is um, Zip is uh, a corporate services arm to our uh, to complement our. Core immigration services business. In Hong Kong, immigration, when you're selling immigration services, you've got an actual opportunity to sell corporate services because in so many instances, one ties in with the other and Vera you from know, the other side hasn't, the other the other service hasn't yet been addressed. So it's an natural opportunity to sell it. And we've been thinking about getting into it in an interesting way for a while. And to make a long story short, a couple of months ago, me and my went into business with an old mate of ours here, a guy called Will Probert, who's got a profile in corporate services here akin to Mike profile in Hong Kong immigration. So we've now been, we've now spent two months at this and uh, and we're now producing a content platform, which is going to be, to start off the top 100 questions that everybody, anybody ever asks about how to go about starting a new business in Hong Kong. But what we're, uh, what, the way we're gonna manifest that content is to do a very high quality whiteboard animation that answers that particular question. And then we're going to, underneath, put out uh, an infographic that will set out essentially Visually, the material that's contained in the video above, and then next to that, there's going to be an action plan, and the action plan will then give you access to all the resources to go about achieving the things that that video is all about, which are all and garden type activities that people need to get done when you're starting up in business in Hong Kong for the first time. Um, and we're putting a sort of a personal experiential spin on the content narrative because Will and I have got so much experience in doing business here between the two of us, and we've you know got five failed ventures between us so we you know we know a trick or two about about you know what business is all about so we're sort of infusing our content in uh, uh you know with that, that 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 experience as well real world so to speak well i can tell you uh, we're not actually producing anything new in terms of overall information because a lot of this information is on various government websites and it's all scattered around other private you know private service provider websites we've had you know, a sense that they need to have some sort of content say. Um, so none of what we're doing is new, but the way that we're approaching it in a 10 times fashion uh, is a way that you can, you know, demonstrate immediate market dominance and just walk into a marketplace. Uh, because uh, if you're just 10 times better than everybody else, you, uh, you get all the attention nobody else does. So It doesn't really matter if anybody else is in that space you can go in and own it you know for yours as long as you do it 10 times better than everybody else Mm.
1: okay so to end off when you say 10 times better if it's subjective and you say that the content that you have is no different from what anybody else has what makes you better is it the presentation of it the quality of the presentation well,
0: okay sim- sim- simple example right the easiest the easiest technology to produce a piece of content is text so 99.999% of people will focus on text as the content technology mm. but you can go out and you can buy a piece of software that will cost you 30 US dollars a month that'll take you 10 to 15 hours of self of time spent just learning how this software works. And then what you can do is you can take all the material that you would normally be imparting through the technology of text and you can then impart it through the technology of, say, a whiteboard animation that's effectively produced by software that you've learned how to use. Mm-hmm. So the mere fact that you've moved from flat text to a whiteboard animation that's engaging and you know it's designed in a particular way, complemented obviously with 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 other materials that work to to augment the the material in in the whiteboard animation itself, the value in that proposition is is objectively ten times better than than what's happening in terms of flat text in terms of. Um, mere text, or in terms of, you know, the odd video that you find on YouTube that might be covering the same material that are just using video format. Mm. Most most people will take the path of least resistance, and the path of least resistance is, is, is text, and then the next path is, is, for those people who've got confidence, is to, is to get in front of a video. But to go from then video into next-level produced video by the application of software, well, that involves a bit of a mindset, right? At that point you've got you 've got to get over any sort of hurdles that exist in your mind about uh, needing to learn the tool that's going to allow you to get to the ten, 10 next level because you can only make the the, the the leap to the next level if you go you know you go through that renaissance and you invest that time and you learn how to use that tool, and all of a sudden you're now ten times better than everybody else thats the, that's the real leap that people have to go through. Mm. Uh, and that's what I went through, sort of very early on in early on in the piece. So, so that 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 that's what that's all about.
1: Okay. Well, sir, 10, uh, 11.31 thirty-one. It is. You have an absolutely fantastic day off tomorrow, given that it is a public holiday, and of course because it's Thursday and you are on the radio. Here is a little bit of Donna Summer to say hasta la vista, baby, and we'll catch up next week. How's that for an outro?
0: Ten ten. Break a break. <laughs> we gone.
1: Have a good day. Digital
0: Bacon FM. We hope that you've learned a thing or two about how to manifest value in the connection economy and how to address the two types of customers. Join us next time for tips and tricks on how to harness the psychological hardwiring evolved in your customer.